everybody. Everybody having a good weekend? Enjoying that, uh, enjoying that nice warm hot weather? You know, I know some of us like it more than others, and uh, I'm not a huge fan of it, but uh, you learn to deal with it, right? And that's why, uh, like you said, you know, I'm surprised, you know, there's not a shrine outside the carrier facility, right, you know, that we all take advantage of. But as we gather here together today to worship the Lord in spirit and truth, I just want us to uh, uh, understand that this is such an important letter that Peter had wrote. It's an important letter because when you think about uh, 2 Peter, and we, last week we looked at chapter 1, and we made, to, uh, we made mention of the, of the idea that you're either growing spiritually or dying spiritually. That was the crux of last week's lesson, amen? And then I think about what Steve said this morning, and I thought, man, I can use that in a sermon. And I said, you know, he was talking about lights, that God came to, in, in the beginning, in the beginning, you know, and he created the light. It was a physical light. But then he sent into the world another form of a light, and that was a spiritual light, right? And so when you think about the spiritual light, the light that gives light to uh, all mankind, that, that, that lights up our paths, that makes our crooked path straight, we know that it comes from Jesus himself. And 2 Peter is a, is a letter that Peter had wrote to these uh, first century saints who were going through difficult times, very difficult times, in the middle of persecution from the Roman government. They were being persecuted by their own families as they turned away from Jews, uh, the, from Judaism. They, were, they turned away from uh, those who converted from paganism. And so they were being just really just attacked from all sides. And so when you look at 2 Peter, he writes this letter to encourage them, to remind them why they have hope, why they could have a hope, and why they should understand that how important it is that we continue to grow spiritually, that we continue to grow uh, and, and influence the lives of others through our, through our conduct, through our words, through our behaviors, and through all things. And so, as I said last week, we're either growing spiritually or we're dying spiritually. And I mentioned briefly last week that when you look at Christianity, it really truly is what they would call, I guess, a fluid experience. And uh, because we're, it's a fluid experience because we're, we're developing towards a goal. Last week I spoke of a process, amen? And in that process, there's various steps. A steps that, that you look to achieve a desired outcome. And as we go through the process of our faith, as we first hear the word, and then after we hear the word, we determine if we believe it. We confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We're baptized for the remission of our sins. God adds us to the kingdom. But that's just the beginning. That's like at the marriage ceremony when I say, I do. You still got the rest of your lives to grow and to get used to each other and to, and to form that bond, to become that one flesh. Uh, and so when we think about our Christian faith, it truly is a process, a series of steps to a desired outcome. And what is that desired outcome? To enter the heavenly realm, to spend eternity with the Father in heaven. But along the way, while we're stuck here on this rock, we are, what are we supposed to do? We continue to teach and encourage and love and sacrifice and do all that God has asked us to do. And so in these very difficult times that these first century Christians found themselves in, he writes this letter of encouragement. He once again, he reminds them that if growth stops, spiritual growth stops, what do we see? Regression begins to set in. Our faith begins to die. Our spirit life begins to die. And so Peter encouraged them last week in the beginning of the lesson, at the beginning of chapter 1, as we looked at those first 10 verses, 
He encouraged them. He said, you need to add to your faith moral excellence, and to moral excellence, knowledge, and to knowledge, uh, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. If we're going to continue to grow in the Lord after uh, God adds us to the kingdom, brethren, that is how we do it. And as we do those things, he concludes that the person that who is practicing these things, another benefit that will show that you're growing and not dying spiritually is that you'll have a greater knowledge of God. You'll have a greater knowledge of God. You'll, have, you'll grow in your confidence uh, that, that I don't hope to go to heaven when I die. First, uh, what is it, First John, I think it's chapter 5 and verse 13 or 17, he says, you, I'm writing these things so you can know that you go to heaven. We don't hope to go to heaven. We don't say, man, I hope God's in a good mood that day. He's not in a mood, you know what I mean, so he'll let me in. No, we can know that we're going to go to heaven. And Peter's writing these things to these early saints who are suffering severe persecution, imprisonment, death, beating, sacrifice, and he's writing to them to, so that way they can know that heaven will be their home. That Jesus had gone on to prepare a place. And that you could trust in the promises. Why? Because we have the Holy Spirit of God who has guided us as the early men who had penned the scriptures. For over a period of 1,600 years, 40 individuals that were directed by the Holy Spirit of God, he did what? He directed them as to what to say and what to do. And so we have the word of God that is God-breathed, inspired, in order to direct our faith. So that way, as we go through the process of our faith, step by step, with the desired outcome of heaven, we know that we can trust the things that have been brought to us. And so Peter now turns his attention. As we get to chapter 12, or chapter 12, uh, uh, verse 12 of chapter 1, he starts to tra uh, change the, 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 the direction of his mindset. And he really starts to look at the inspiration of God. And the process that ultimately leads to heaven begins with faith. Well, where do you attain faith? Well, Romans 10 and 17 says faith comes from hearing. Hearing from? The Word of God. That's where it all begins. That's where it ends. And so when you think of faith, when you think about how you're to deal with all the problems of life, like we were talking about in Bible study this morning, it begins and ends in Scripture. When Jesus was in temptation, it began and ended in Scripture. And when we are tempted, when peers, our peer groups try to get us to do things that we know not to be right, what does God have to say? What does the Bible have to say? Does God address these things? As you, as you are either growing or dying, it will all begin and end in Scripture. And so, brethren, since the Word of God is the source of our faith, the Apostle Peter wants to reassure these Christians that they can be confident on the basis of their faith, and they can be confident on the basis of growth. So let's get started. Open your Bibles, uh, 2 Peter, chapter 1. I'll have some of it on the screen behind me. Jim, I'm going to need another remote here, please. Uh, the little battery light's flashing. And so I do have this one up there right now. So 2 Peter, chapter 1, as you look at verse 12 through 14, notice what it says. Therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth which is, presented to you, which, which is pre, uh, present with you. I consider it right, as long as I am in this earthly dwelling, to stir you up by the way of reminder, knowing that, it is, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent, as also our Lord Jesus Christ has made known to me. Thank you, Jim. And so... When you, when you look at uh, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 12 through 14, 
Peter confirms that what he has been taught and what he has taught them, these aren't new ideas. I mean, think about it. Three decades, three and a half decades have passed from the time the church had begun to the time he's writing this letter. Probably 35, 34, 35 years have gone by. The, the church has, uh, they have received many letters from the various disciples that are directed by the Holy Spirit. He says, but I'm writing to you by way of reminder. What does it say there in verse 15? He's, uh, or I'm sorry, verse uh, 12. Therefore, I always will be ready to remind you of these things. I said last, uh, last week in Bible study, why are we studying the Holy Scriptures in the, uh, the New Testament this morning? Well, that's where we find out about Jesus. That's where we find out about salvation. That's where we find out the gospel message. That's where we find out what's pleasing in God's sight. That's where we find out what sin is. I mean, there's lots of reasons we study it. And why do we continue to study it? Because we need a reminder. Anybody here in their faith ever have some days where they're struggling and you need a reminder? Right? If everybody's not nodding their head or raising their hand, you're a liar. Brethren, we need to be reminded of the truth because life is difficult. Marriage is difficult. Child rearing is difficult. Dealing with the world is difficult. Dealing with the world, the individuals in the midst of our careers is difficult. And so we need a friendly reminder from time to time what God's word says. And so if you enjoy the lessons on 2 Peter, that's great because you'll probably hear it again next year. And the year after. And the year after. Why? Because we need reminders. We need to continuously be in the Word so we understand the expectations, understand what's pleasing in the sight of God. And then you get to verse 16. And it says, For we did not follow cleverly devised... Oh, I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong spot. You look at verse 13 and it says, I consider it right as long as I am in this earthly dwelling to stir you up by the way of reminder knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent, as also our Lord Jesus Christ had made known to me. You know, you look at the teachings of Peter. We know that the, teaches, uh, the teachings of Peter come through the Holy Spirit, who was sent by who? Jesus. In John chapters 14 and John chapter 16, he said, you should hope that I go to the Father. Because if I go to the Father, he's going to send the Spirit. And the Spirit's going to guide you into all things I've ever said and did. Because when you get to chapter 16, Jesus told the apostles, he says, I have many more things to say to you, but you aren't ready. You're not ready. You can't bear them right now, but that's okay. Because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he's going to remind you of everything I've ever said. He's going to remind you of everything I ever did. And that these teachings that have been taught and known through the gospel, which is truth, and what is truth? We know that it's the word that the Father had sent Jesus to, to, to preside over. And Peter finds it necessary to remind them, just as many ministers and shepherds find it necessary to remind the flock constantly of what the word of God says. Anybody here have a busy life? Anybody here got a lot going on? Isn't it difficult sometimes, especially with the little tykes in the house? And you got school schedules, and you got uh, extracurricular activities, and you got vacations, and you got family plans, and you got family commitments, and you got this commitment and that commitment. And then you get home, and anybody ever get tired? And then sometimes, well, maybe I'm not in the scriptures as often as I am because life is hectic, life is hard. And so, what do we do? 
We come together on Wednesday, whether it's in person or whether it's on Zoom. We come together on Sunday morning. And we come together on Sunday morning for Bible study and for, uh, to worship God and hear a message from the Word of God. Why? In order to strengthen our faith, to give us the strength to deal with all the problems of life as we go through this thing called life. And so, brethren, Peter sends the reminder. But notice now as we get to verses uh, 15 through 18. Notice what it says. And I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you may be able to call these things to mind. For we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we had made known to you the power of the coming of Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of the majesty of Jesus Christ. And for we, for when we, for when he received honor and glory from God the Father, such as the utterances as this was made to him by the majestic glory, that this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And then in verse 18 he says, And we ourselves heard this utterance. Man, I would have loved to have been there. We ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Brothers and sisters, I love this aspect of Scripture because he's talking to them about the hope that they can have, the faith they have, the trust that they can have. Why? Because these are not just stories or fables that have been handed down. No, these were eyewitness accounts. Peter was there. He was there at the time of the baptism of Jesus Christ. And guess what happened? The heavens opened up and God spoke from heaven. The Father, the Holy Spirit descended upon him. We see that John gave confirmation, John the Baptist, when Jesus, he saw walking towards him, and he says, that is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We see that he takes him up in Matthew chapter 17 on the, on the mountain to be transfigured before them. And why is that important? Because how mind-blowing would that have been when Moses and Elijah appear before you? And the Christ is, 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 is uh, he has he like shown in the light of the Father, had shown around him. Brethren, this letter will serve as a constant reminder to the first century Christians and to the 21st century Christians. After Peter has been long gone, here we are 2,000 years later doing what? talking about his eyewitness account. And if Jesus doesn't come back for another thousand years, we'll still be talking about it and encouraging people about it. Peter tells them why his letter, along with the rest of the apostolic writings they have in their possessions, should be considered as inspired and as authoritative. Why? Well, there's a few reasons for that. The first reason is the apostles did not create the gospel. Did the apostles create it in and of themselves? No. They were guided and led by the Holy Spirit of God. They were eyewitnesses at the baptism of Jesus. Why is that important? Well, there was a man named Judas. He was thought to be a friend of Jesus, and yet he stabbed him in the back, did he not? And Jesus even says, Judas, are you betraying the Son of God with a kiss? And brethren, we think about these things, right? And Judas, he went and he was so distraught, he killed himself. And after he killed himself, we see in Acts chapter 1 that they had to replace the, uh, Judas and, uh, and find another man uh, to replace his, his office of apostle. And the lots landed on Matthias. But what was the point? The point was there was qualifications that had to be met. And there was only two men who met those qualifications. And those qualifications were that in order to take his place, you had to have been witness from Jesus' baptism to his resurrection to his ascension. 
Well, there was only a few amongst the group who met that qual uh, qualification. They drew lots. It landed on Matthias. And God, they believe, had chosen Matthias to carry on the torch for Judas. Why is that important? It's important because the information that was passed on was to be passed on through reliable eyewitness accounts. Eyewitness accounts that will hold up in any court of law. And so that is why it's important. The preaching was not made up by fables and stories and traditions of men, but of eyewitnesses' accounts of the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That They were eyewitnesses to the three-year ministry. They were there for every aspect of his ministry, his teachings, his miracles, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. Brethren, and then in addition to this, they were also witnesses to his relationship with the Father. Well, what do I mean? They were there and they were eyewitnesses of his relationship with the Father, having seen the glory of heaven. Brethren, let's open our Bibles this morning. It's too long of a passage to put on the screen, but if you were to look uh, uh, on the screen behind me, I need you to open up to Matthew 17. I know many of you have probably read this account, but there may be some amongst us who haven't seen this aspect of, Christ, uh, of Christianity or this aspect of the Word of God because we have some newer Christians amongst us. And you shouldn't feel like, well, I should know these things, because faith is a process. It's a growth process. And we continually should be growing and studying and learning. Because then you, you find the little golden gem like this. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 1 through 9, notice what it says. <clears throat> Six days later, Jesus, he took with him Peter, James, and John, his brother. And he led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, his face shone like the sun, and his garments became white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. And Peter, in all of his uh, brilliance, he says, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I'm going to make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and, a, and behold, a voice out of the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. And that's actually pretty cool. But I like the last three words. Listen to him. They wanted to build tabernacles for others. God says, No, that's my Son. You listen to him. And don't let that be lost on you. And so it says in verse 6, And when the disciples heard this, they fell to their face. They prostrated themselves on the ground because they were terrified. And Jesus came to them and he touched them. And he said, Get up. Do not be afraid. And lifting up their eyes, he saw, they saw no one except for Jesus who was standing there by himself. And as they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them saying, Tell no one of this vision... Tell, tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man has been risen from the dead. And that's great. But then they're probably thinking, this is mind-blowing stuff. But then I ha I, I, I'm pretty sure they had to walk away and say, what do you mean, what do you mean risen from the dead? Like, where did that come from? You see, they're not long, far, that far along in the ministry, so they're, they still have questions, right? And so we look at this. How difficult would it be? Anybody ever here ever fell to the uh, grips of gossip? You ever hear something juicy? And then you're safe, but you can't tell anybody. <sighs> and it's difficult because you're sitting there talking to somebody and you're like, I, uh. 
And he can't say nothing. How difficult. Can you imagine having that knowledge? And you're walking with the other disciples. And you can't say nothing. That would have been difficult. And so how cool would that have been, right? That you got Peter, James, John, they got the experience. The voice of the Father coming from heaven as they're on this high mountain. Brothers and sisters, let us never forget that Jesus Christ is a real person of history. Amen? The Bible is a historically accurate book that, we could, that has been vetted for thousands of years, Old and New Testament. And for 2,000 years, they've been trying to disprove it. And more atheists are coming to Christ all the time. Why? Because as they try to disprove it, many of them end up saying, I can't, I can't not see and hear what I've seen and heard. I've researched it, and I can't deny what I've researched. And so let us never forget that Jesus was absolutely a real person of history and the accounts of his life were passed down through eyewitness testimony that would hold up in any court of law. And then you look on the screen behind me and we get to the next passage of Scripture, which is 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 19. And the Scriptures tell us, So we have the prophetic word made more sure, to which you do well if you pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your heart. That's what Steve was talking about this morning. That we have to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place. Jesus came to provide a spiritual light, not a physical light. And the apostles not only had the words of the prophets describing to them who the Messiah was going to be, where he would come from, what they could expect, and what he would do, but they also witnessed the Messiah's coming. They witnessed the fulfillment of all the scriptures that were written about the Messiah and all that the prophets had to say. So therefore, brethren, when we would do well to pay attention. We would do well to pay attention to the things that were written by them for their spiritual development of the early church, for the spiritual development of every person who becomes a disciple of Jesus Christ from uh, A.D. 33 until Christ Jesus comes back with his angels in flaming fire, we would do well to pay attention. And then Peter closes out this chapter with something really profound. And this is something that is so profound, and I think it gets overlooked by too many individuals. Too many Christians don't really fully understand these two verses, or maybe know that they are even in the Bible. And it says in chapter 1, and verse 20 and 21, But know this first of all, no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. <clears throat> You guys ever had a conversation with somebody? And they say, well, that's your interpretation. What, what did that just say? No prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Is that profound? The prophets did not speak in and of themselves, but were inspired to what they should say and what they should write by the Holy Spirit of God himself. The word inspired literally means God breathed when you break it down in the original Greek. And there can be many styles, right? When you think about uh, the Greek language, for example, the Greek language, uh, really the image of the word God breathed or inspired uh, is kind of like a sailboat, right? Are there not many various forms of sailboats? But what is the one thing that all sailboats have in common? 
They sail. What causes them to be propelled? The wind. It doesn't matter what type of sailboat you have. If you have no wind, you're probably dead in the water. Unless you've got like a trolling motor or something, right? But different men in different times, over 1,600 years, guided by the Holy Spirit, had wrote the Holy Scriptures. And you know, over a period of 1,600 years, and when I say, where does 1,600 years come from? Well, when was Moses, when, did, uh, when was it said that Moses recorded uh, the, the information? 1,500 B.C. When was the last letter written to the early church? A.D., uh, about 95. What's that? 1,600 years. And so over 1,600 years, 40 different men, guided by the Holy Spirit, penned what we call the Old and New Testament, the Holy Bible. And what do we see? We see there's no contradictions. There's no mistakes. We, they didn't have computers. They didn't have Google or Bing search engines where you could just type in a couple words of a scripture and it pops right up. They didn't have any of those things. They didn't have Encyclopedia Britannica to go to. Do you guys have that when you were younger? Young kids probably don't even know what an encyclopedia is because they have computers. They're so lucky. Well, I don't want to talk about the libraries, but you guys are so lucky. And so you look at the Word of God, though. And we know that it's been inspired. We know that God had guided this from the beginning of time. And so since the Word of God is the source of our faith, as well as the foundation for the spiritual growth of all Christians, as well as our entry into into heaven, you might want to pay attention. You might want to find out what it has to say. And that's why in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15, as I mentioned in Bible study this morning, it talks about how we are to make sure that we study to show ourselves approved. Adequately handling the Word of God for what is the purpose in order to bring up and train up other individuals. Brethren, as I said this morning, did you know there's only about 1.1 to 1.2 million people in the church in the United States of America? In the Lord's church, the church of Christ. 1.1 to 1.2. Well, why is that important? There's 350 million people. If you're a salesman, that's a good market. You've got a lot of per, per, you know, prospective customers. And so, what are we supposed to do? In a sense, we sell Jesus. By living out a Christian lifestyle. By teaching people the word of God. By teaching them and showing them love and compassion and kindness and and brotherly uh, brotherly kindness and perseverance. Showing them how to get get along in the difficult times as well as in the good times. And brethren, when we're able to do those things, it makes Christianity attractive. And so one of, we have to understand though that there's somebody who's not going to like all of us going out and teaching and preaching to our neighbors. And that person's name is Satan. And one of his attacks is to embed false teachers into the church. So if you were to look at chapter 2 and you were to look at what it's going to deal with, it's going to deal with false teachers. So you look at the next passage of the scriptures on the screen behind me. And in verse 1 through 3, notice what Peter says. But false prophets also among, arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon them. Many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth is going to be maligned, it's going to be perverted. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words, and their words and their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. One second, I need some water. 
Got a tickle in my throat. <coughs> so you look at these three verses. The nation of Israel, it talks about in the very first verse, the false prophets also arose among the people. What people? The Jewish people, right? We know that, how do we know if a prophet's from God? Well, it tells us in the Bible, in the Old Testament, you know if a prophet's from God, if it, the, what he says comes true. And so that's how you can dis distinguish. And so how do we know that the early disciples were of God? If what they did and said came true, and it did. And so we know that when you look at this, the devil is trying to put people in place for the destruction of the church, for the bringing down of, of, of Christian nations, for the destruction of the nuclear family, and for the destruction of anything good, holy, and righteous. The nation of Israel had false prophets who tried to lure the people into idolatry, to try, tried to lure them into worshiping or serving evil kings. And Peter, in, the like, in a like manner, in a like ways, he tries to caution these early Christians, as well as us, that there are going to be lying teachers who are going to come in, who are going to teach things they ought not to teach. And they're going to wrangle over words to the destruction of their faith. They're going to uh, add and subtract from the Holy Scriptures, even though it tells us time and time again not to. And what do we see? We see that he's cautioning them to make sure that they keep focused on Christ and that they stay focused on the Word of God. And he says that the penalty for these false teachers and these false prophets is going to be their swift destruction. So brethren, as I get ready to close this lesson down, we have to understand that, unfortunately, many Christians in the past, as well as today, continue to be overtaken by false teachers and, uh, and, 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 and congregations who have gone astray. These Christians will lead a life of sinfulness. And because of their own greed and their own covetousness and because of other sins in their lives, they're going to lead people astray. And so next week, as we continue on, uh, in this series, actually not next week, it'll probably be a couple weeks, but as we continue on in this series, we're going to look into false teachers and we're going to dissect this topic more as we go through chapter 2. You have to understand that Peter's warnings were written 2,000 years ago, but as Peter says, they were meant to be relevant to us today just as they were relevant to the first century church. Because in the first century church, there was persecution and false teachers that had come to the, uh, to the forefront of the, of the church. And in the 21st century, we have uh, persecution and false teachers that continue to rise up to try to destroy the bride of Christ. And so, brethren, we need to understand that as God's people, we need to stick to the word of God. We need to stick to the word of God and make, use the word of God. And make sure we don't deviate from it. Make sure that we don't have division that's caused by it. And make sure that apostasy is snuffed out. And that's why the elders are so very important. Because their job is to spiritually feed and protect the flock. That's why we have shepherds. That's why we have elders. And so long as there is a Bible in its entirety and it remains the sole authority uh, and the sole teacher, we will always have a lamp to guide us in a dark and sinful world. We will always have that spiritual light that's going to get us through the toughest days and the toughest times. And we don't always agree about what it says and sometimes of, or how to do things, but what we must do is always agree that it is God's word and our research begins and ends in Scripture. As we're trying to figure out what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to do it, what's pleasing to God, everything begins and ends in Scripture.
Never should we hear, but I think, but I feel. But when you have these conversations, you often hear, but I think and but I feel. And people try to allow their emotions to, get to, to, to be what drives them. And yet we know that Scripture and Scripture alone is what drives us. If you're here this morning and you're hearing this message and you're not a child of God and that is your desire here this morning, brethren, you could come forward. You could come forward to be baptized for the remission of your sins. You could come forward uh, to, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God, it says in, it says in, in chapter 2 and verse 47 of Acts, will add you to the kingdom. He'll add you to the bride of Christ. He'll add you to the church. You have that opportunity. If you've been thinking about it for a while, what's hindering you? What's holding you back? If there's something hindering you, something holding you back, you need to speak with me. You need to speak with one of our shepherds, our elders. And we can help walk you through that. Answer any concerns you may have. You may be here this morning and you're just hurting. You're struggling. You're having a tough time. You can come forward this morning and we'll pray for you. And we'll pray for you and help to put a plan in place for you to get through and to get over what it, whatever it is that you're struggling with. If you're here this morning and you've been away from the church for any length of time, brethren, you can be restored to the church here this morning. Become an active part of the membership here at Lincoln Park. So if that is you this morning, come forward as we stand and sing the song of invitation. <laughs>